Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Fred Schenkelberg. Hey, Carl, I heard you got another question of some sort. Well, the this one is actually a question I've been asking myself after you know, reflecting on the types of um, questions I get from readers and the you know symposiums that I attend and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it dawned on me or just sort of hit me. Why is reliability? Why do we think? Reliability is a process. I mean, our book title is The Process of Reliability. You and I independently, over many years of experience, came up with steps that you do to accomplish high reliability. And yet, so often I see people go about the business in reliability, and they just start working on methods, or they'll start working on testing, or they'll do what their boss says. And they don't really follow a process. So I thought it'd be interesting to challenge ourselves to see if we could, in a podcast, give our best effort at why reliability is a process. Uh, well, this topic is, I mean, it, it must be something in the air or something, because Kirk and I talked about it just a, a lot, couple episodes ago. It's this, this very similar thing. Is there is there a set formula for HALT or for environmental testing? Is there and those one the, the environmental testing one was based on a question is is there a suite of standards that I have to follow in order to do proper environmental testing? Is very similar to this part of it. And the idea is, is that, and I think what we talk about in the book quite a bit is that the what we decide to do is based in large part about about what will influence decisions to add the most value. And every team is going to have separate priorities and and constraints and criteria and what questions they're trying to address and not address and what's deemed important and not important and so on. There's plenty of familiarity if you in an organization and you've gone through a dozen different product launches, there's going to be a lot of familiarity. Yet what I find, and I, I think you agree, Carlos, is that it's in the edges of what needs to be done, not done. Where do you focus your resources to make a difference or not makes a difference. It That's where a good reliability program actually helps ensure, or ensure is probably the right word, uh, uh, corral, it's not the right word, guide a team to create the a highly reliable product. If we only did the same thing every time, isn't there a quote on that? You know, I was—I think it's an Einstein yes. one. Yes, <laughs> there is. Insanity. That's good with sanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, the idea is that we're engineers, you know? We're not designing a flange that's going to hold 10 foot-pounds, and that's it. That's not the only thing we're ever going to deal with. We could solve that problem, and we could create it, and then we're done thinking. Why we just make them? So there, there's a bigger subject to this. So as, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking the uh, there's a bigger subject to this because I think just about everything in life is a process. That's just the way I, I look at things. So mm-hmm. if you're a cook, and I'm not a great cook, my, my wife is a great cook. There's a there's a good cook, um, but there's a process to cooking. It's called a recipe, and it's actually 
you know, one of our sons is a really good cook too. All of our kids are cooks and in, in their personal lives, the, the, but they understand the principles involved. So there's a step-by-step process, but each step has a principle to it. So you're not just boiling water for the sake of boiling water. You're boiling water in order to accomplish something. And you're adding a certain amount of this, you're adding a certain amount of that. And there's a, and some people don't are so good at it. They don't even know the steps. They just do it inherently. So what you and I had to do, because we were good at achieving reliability and and we have a lot of, uh, we have success in that and we have failures in it as well. Mm -hmm. But to step back and say, what's the process of reliability? That took some thinking because I remember (laughs) we had a five-step process for a while and then then you had the epiphany about the decisions and became a six-step process. And so which of these why is it a process is what I'm really thinking about right now. Yeah. Why don't you just go about doing reliability? Why do you need a process? Well, my opinion is, is, is that, and we see it in quality circles. You see it in cooking and everywhere else is that there's my, the cooking is probably my easiest example. If I make baking bread, right. And after you do it, if you follow the recipe to the letter, you'll get some bread. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah. You make that same recipe three, four times and you go, oh, I put in a little extra water. Now here's the part where it's the engineer in me goes, oh, okay. Well, that made it, it didn't rise as high. Or if I do change this a little bit. And then after you do it a bunch of times, now you become a semi-pro you know, baker kind of person that's doing this every day, day in and day out. They can just look at the dough and how it's reacting to some step you're using or how does it feel? How does it smell? How does it move when you touch it this way or that? For example, one of the steps in baking uh, sourdough loaves is this check if it's proofed properly, is that has it risen enough? And many recipes say till it doubles in size. Hmm. which I always found extremely difficult because I have a bowl. So I have this, you know, and I'm like, how do you know? going to double, yeah. That's right. Well, it can double, but it's like, this is one strange volume I'm trying to eye from the outside kind of thing. And I'm like, ah. Um, It became a test where you, you, you basically poke the surface of the bread. And if it stays poked in, it's, you've gone too far which is not a good sign because now there's other things you can do to recover some of that, but it's, you're too far. Another one is that it pokes and respond. It's like a, a elastic cover to it and it comes right back up. It's like a trampoline. Well, it's not done yet. It's too stiff, but if it goes down and slowly comes back up, then it's proofed properly. It's ready. And it's, but you, it's an, after you do it a bunch of times, you, and you see the results and you're paying attention, then you can, you get an insight or measurement of what's going on with the dough. And it varies. The proofing time varies by temperature, by hydration, by all kinds of stuff. So it does take time to learn that experience. And when I was learning how to make cheese, it, the, the place I learned it the most from was, is called the art of cheese making the art of making cheese. I think is the per site. And, she said, you can follow a recipe and you'll get cheese, but it's more about paying attention to what the milk and the cheese is telling you along the way. And then you respond to that appropriately. 
And the same is in the product of, you know, creating a, a design of a, of a system. I could follow the, the product lifecycle and I can make 25 prototypes and I could run it through our standard tests and we'll get a product. Something right. will ship. Yet yeah. we've disabled the process part, which is paying attention and learning and it, looking for those clues and interactions that this is really working or not. It's not working. It's easy when all 25 prototypes fail miserably <laughs> and everyone in the engineering team says, oh, I should have done this different or should have <laughs> right? Whereas if you none of the prototypes fail and we don't do anything to find, you know, like halt, for example, or, or to mm -hmm. deliberately look for weaknesses, we're missing an opportunity there. So part of the process is being flexible enough with the basic overriding principles uh, we're trying to achieve a goal. And if we don't measure it, well, that's a breakdown in the process, right? We, we don't know whether we're on target or not because we're not measuring it. This is such an important conversation uh, because what you're describing, Fred, is like, let, let me back up just a little bit on the, on the process. The, the reason why we wrote a book rather than just do a PowerPoint slide that shows the six-step process mm -hmm. is because each step needs understanding, and, and you're describing you're describing that in cooking, you're describing that in in the in in engineering. The you need to get the principles and the understanding of why you're doing the step. Mm -hmm. Don't just do it automatically. You, if you do it automatically, you'll get something. It, it hopefully is something good. But if you do this step and you understand the principles, you'll get the right result on that step and you'll understand. And sometimes you can drop a step like you may not lead need a, uh, a reliability plan in some cases. In other words, that you really have to understand the principle of reliability plan to understand when you don't need it. Yeah. We have that in our chapter. Not everything needs a plan. Yeah. And so the. The people that take the time to learn the process of reliability, step by step, understanding the principles involved, I think they're going to do really well. The people that just try to follow it like a like a, a cook follows a recipe that doesn't really understand cooking are not going to do as well. Well, that was one of the things we debated it for years is how deep do we want to make the examples that we put in the book? Yeah. Because the fear was that it would become the recipe that, oh, in this circumstance, we always do this, this, and this. I was like, no, <laughs> make sure you're in the right circumstance. You know, that's the important part. Make sure that you have the process to, to evaluate, well, when do I need to run this test? Or when do I need to do this analysis? Or when do I need, to, when is that going to be useful? When is that going to cause improvement or add value? The process itself, is so multifaceted, you know, and I, I think of uh, like the, and Kirk and I were talking about it, this question about, is there a standard for environmental testing? Well, there's all kinds of standards out there. And if you pass it and you have your 10 units or, you know, you drop something 10 times on from one meter. Okay. That might be overkill. If your product is bolted to the floor and it'll never be dropped, <laughs> except maybe when it's in shipping. Uh, but if you're doing a handheld device that's going to get dropped 30 times every day from all kinds of different heights, then that test is absolutely worthless. So 
the process is not to do drop testing. The process is how do I get the information I need for this environment, for this usage profile, for our product design, you know, and such that we learn something that we can move forward with it, that we can make a clear judgment that this is a, our product is robust enough for that environment for being dropped. It's not look up a, a, a standard and go, oh, that was drop testing 10 times on the carpet. All right, we're good. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> that's not the process, guys. You're solving the wrong problem there. You got to solve the real problem, which is what do you need to know? What do you need to learn? Yeah. And this is the problem with standards. The And, and I say that we, with all deference and and uh, humility and you know on the, on the subject because the standards have a value there are there's a value, there's a place for standards but you have to know the limitations and the if you if you think that following the standard just by itself is going to get everything you need that's probably not the case you really need to understand the principles behind the standard and this that's the problem i have with standards is some people think i'll just write the standard bulletproof so that all you do is follow it exactly and you'll always get the result I think you need, as Deming talked about, profound knowledge. You need to understand the principles behind the standards, the principles behind the steps. And in our case, the principles behind the steps to achieve reliability. You want to ask on step one, where we develop a reliability strategic vision, you want to ask why. Why do we need a reliability strategic vision? What is it? What is it not? What's the essence of it? How do you think? with it and then you do that with each of the steps you'll you'll really get an understanding but to think you can just read the step title and maybe a you know a couple a paragraph and then you're going to be an expert that's not the case well i suspect there's a handful of people that are like you and i that you know and maybe quite a few people that take a look at our book and some of our material and go yep yep i get that we do that yep yep that's all makes sense and they're right on track and i'm sure there's folks out there that are doing that and they pick up some you know bits and pieces of wisdom from us if not just a quote or two they can use that yet i wish i had that book when i first started and oh. I, I i had the advantage of seeing a lot of systems from an outsider's point of view early on in my career so i saw stuff that worked really well and others that was like where when in the world were you thinking <laughs> you know yeah. and it wasn't so it kind of formed it because I had so many different experiences. If I was working on one product that we did one launch per year, or like in your case, one launch every two years, um, it's a slower process to to gain that insight and everything else. So, yeah, it, it, I was talking with a uh, some representatives of a company last week. I won't mention name um, about the process of learning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at a course material and things and. And you can present information, like you could present the information in our book as a presenting. Mm-hmm. But the process of learning is asking why. It's the process of uh, saying, well, what if I do it differently? Actually, a lot of the process of learning is mistakes. And and so I was thinking about this. I would love to have had the book when I started, but a lot of this book is the mistakes that we've made. And so <laughs> a lot of those podcasts is those snakes we've made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that is the essence of learning. Like when I'm teaching FMEA, I want the student, I put them in situations where they make mistakes. Not, I don't try to make, force them into the mistake, but I right. make it okay for them to make an error because that's how they learn. Yeah. And, and 
the part is, is that you're not the hovering uh, helicopter mom kind of thing is that you, you don't cut them off before they make a mistake. Yeah. Let them do it. See a bit of the consequence. Oh, that really complicates stuff. Well, if you would have backed up here, you know, and looked at it this way, then you would have avoided that problem of having 47 causes for your very first failure. Yes. Mode. Um, yes. And, and <laughs> as in it, boy, this is a different podcast subject, but I just want to throw it in there. If you're an instructor or you're a mentor or you're trying to help somebody, don't just tell them what to do. Ask them what to do. Ask them what they think yep. about it, because that's how they learn. And so if we could, we're when you write a book, we don't have that opportunity to interact. So you and I put a lot of thought into how can we get people to think with the subject and so we do examples and what happens if it doesn't happen and what like what if you don't support the decisions mm-hmm. of the company well there's a re- there's a consequence then that helps you learn why you do support the decisions yeah or move on i think we actually put that yes. someplace <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah yeah it's uh it is a process i mean we talked last time we talked it was about root cause and there's a process for that and it's a lot of you know experience and judgment and thinking that goes into it yet it's inside a framework that allows you to make you know to to get to a re- result to make a change same with reliability if the intent is to design a new product or set up a new system that's going to achieve its reliability objectives well i think the very first step was right in our first step is well what are you trying to do right where are you headed <laughs> you know? where are you heading what are you trying to accomplish and the rest of it is about as far away from, oh, you always do HALT, you always do FMEA, and you always do a thousand samples. And no, <laughs> we use three different examples and each one was dramatically different in their constraints and the resulting what they did. It gives you partial wins because you could have you can have some success. You go in there and say, okay, you're your new reliability engineer or you're experienced, but you're new on this team. Mm-hmm. And you start focusing on the reliability testing. You're going to have some success, but you're going to have a lot more t- success if you start with the first step, which is where are you headed? What yeah. are your reliability objectives? You're going to do a lot better if you understand what the gaps are to that. And what decisions you're going to support with your testing. So if, if you follow the process, you're going to do better. It doesn't mean you can't have some success. You're just going to do better if you follow the process. Yeah. 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 It's one of those that what, what I'd really, really like to see Carl is that now we get a flood of questions from various chapters of the book. That would be cool. So, uh, and get some of the nuance type stuff. Yeah. Love to have a seminar. Well, where- it, Maybe we could. <laughs> we could. We certainly could. One of the things that was really cool when we were writing the book is that we posted the draft chapters and we had hundreds of comments out of that. We learned so much about yeah. one that we're not professional writers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and two is that, you know, ideas or concepts that weren't clear, ideas or concepts that we missed or 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 you know went over too quickly or whatever. Um Plenty of spelling errors. That's me. I take I take credit for that. Um, yet that was the best part about that whole process of writing the book was getting the feedback. And so that's my call now. It's like, hey, you know, if you tip, if you picked up the book or you've seen us talking about it a couple of times, you probably have questions. That's to be expected. 
you know, how do I apply it in this circumstance or what I tried this and it, I got this kind of pushback or result, you know, those would be perfect future podcasts for us they to would be. dive deeper on this process of, of reliability. You got my mind racing here, Fred. I'm thinking maybe there's a forum because there isn't any reliability engineer out there or even a adjacent discipline. Um, anybody listening to this podcast that can't, does, can't participate in a dialogue about the steps, the process to achieve reliability mm-hmm. and that wouldn't learn from it. I would learn from it. You would learn from it. Yep, I'm sure definitely. everybody would. So my mind is thinking, what kind of forum could there be? Maybe some type of um, interactive seminar where we try to encourage the questions. Well, I, I'm thinking the webinar system that we're yeah. using, it's kind of built to do that. And we could also do it. Usually we have a, a reasonable audience and we could open up microphones and make it even more interactive. Maybe uh, we could do a free webinar where the only price of entry is you bring one question. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I Seriously. can add that to the, the registration form. Your registration yeah. doesn't go through unless you have a question. Here's a free webinar. You'll have access to two experienced people in reliability. We're going to talk over. We're going to learn from each other. In other words, not just us telling. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the different steps to achieve reliability and the price. All you need is to bring one question, and we'll bring that question into the into the webinar and just get people talking and thinking. And the end result of the webinar is we've increased our collective knowledge about achieving reliability. You know, that would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> we try to do good things. You know? That would be a good thing. Yeah. Well, if you're a listener and you have some ideas about this or even have questions about why is reliability a process or you have ideas for us to think about on the subject of uh, reliability as a process or even the webinar that we just talked about, yeah. please get in touch with us. Yep. We're at uh, ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And there's a couple of ways you can touch with us. And Carl and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and our about pages. And Carl has got the ask Carl a question at the end of every one of his articles on the site, uh, which seems to be very popular. I, I really need to get other people to use something like that. Maybe not ask Carl a question if their name is Diana. Name's the name. Probably yes. not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> That's she right. might not appreciate that if all the questions right. are addressed to, hey, Carl, and it goes to her. I'm not Carl. That's right. So anyway, uh, we look forward to hearing from you and what your questions are, especially. So uh, let us know. Thanks so much, Carl, for the idea of the topic. Here. I'm going to go about uh, the process of life at this point. There, there you go. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day, Carl. I'll talk to you later. You too, Fred. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.